Assalamu alaikum everyone. I hope you guys are doing amazing. This episode in our Dhikr series is honestly going to talk about how Dhikr can help you with so many things that we commonly see, whether that is anxiety, loneliness, you know, mental health issues, whatever there they might be, how Dhikr can help you and grant you a sense of contentment. Before I start this episode, if you are a new new listener, um, I talk about mental health really extensively on my podcast before. I am very big on you should get help if you feel like you need help. And I'm also very big on the fact that, you know, Islam doesn't stop you from getting help and doesn't stop you from, you know, taking care of your mental health and whatever in the third it might be. Um, so I wanted to preface that, but there's no doubt that religiously, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shared so many amazing things that can definitely help us. We might be having some moments, but if you find yourself a little bit, you know, more on the other side of the scale where you might be facing depression and other more serious things and whatever third it might be um, for a persistent period of time, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting help. And I just wanted to put that preface in so people don't, you know, assume that I'm I believe likewise, because this might be the first episode of mine that you're hearing. So in our last episode, we talked, in our last two episodes, actually, we talked a lot about dhikr and how it has some amazing virtues and how it can honestly change your life and how there are so many amazing things, so many amazing um, rewards of doing dhikr. And also, we just talked a little bit about dua, we talked a little bit about different stories, um, from some of the righteous people that came before us so i highly encourage you to listen to the first two episodes if you did not already because the series does kind of pile on together um and i feel like that was a very important those were really important episodes to kind of lay the foundation to understand that there's so many virtues of the good and just religiously how much it can make you a better muslim and how much it can help you right but the good is can also be a really big key to contentment and just coming to a point in your life where you feel a lot more stable so it's possible in life, right, to go through a lot of afflictions and somehow still be content. And for some people, it's still possible to go through a hard time and still feel like everything's going to be okay. A lot of times this comes from inner contentment for some people, right? Peace and happiness, they're not always in the picture, but being content with, look, this is what it is and I'm going through whatever I'm going through it is what it is type of situation and relying that you can trust on Allah through these hard times makes it easier for a lot of people, right? A lot of times when we see people go through a lot of trauma, and I think this was talked about one time in our episode as well, it was called Why Are We Tested, where I had um, an amazing um, guest come and do a takeover episode. But basically in that episode, you know, we kind of talked about how when you see someone going through such a horrible hardship and you see someone going through such a horrible affliction, right? We see them and we feel bad for them and we're like, wow, look at them. They're going through all of this and that. And that that's rightfully so, right? But we don't see what's happening inside. And when someone's going through a hard time and they still are content because they understand that this is the decree of Allah and there's not much that is in my hands besides doing whatever I can, you know, that is also an experience that you have to be there to truly feel it. But this discussion of contentment, I always feel like is so important because I, for one, will be the first to say, in my opinion, in life, you are never going to always be happy. You're never always going to be sad. It goes both ways, right? Just the same way you're not going to be sad forever. You're not going to be happy forever. You're going to have waves. You're going to have really bad days. You're going to have really good days. You're going to have low days. You're going to have bad days, anxiety days, 
Jesus might be even depressed. You might be coming out of a depression. You might have some really bad experiences, right? Like there is a niche and a mix of stuff that everybody goes through. Sometimes you might feel like every day is a bad day for me and it never gets better. Some people feel like they've been depressed their entire life. Like it's going to be a wave. And then if you do recover and get help and get out of those things, you know, you still are going to have bad days. You're still going to have low days. You're not going to be immune to having a bad day or having a low day. That is the nature of the zunya. You are going to have bad days. But not losing a sense of reality, not losing a sense of who Allah is and what he can do for you and keeping contentment in your heart that it's just a bad day and it will pass just like the good days passed really helps you stay grounded and stay more level-headed because when you have a bad day and you decide that I'm going to take this bad day and turn it into a bad week, into a bad month, into a bad year and constantly say I had a bad day, a lot of times the bad days start off with bad five minutes that we grow and grow and grow and those things accumulate over time and so kind of getting a sense of contentment even when things are not going your way in life whether that might be you failed in something something you wanted didn't work out whatever it is right having a sense of contentment that it's okay because god is seeing all this and he's handling everything and that is truly all you can ask for and the reason why this is such an important discussion with dhikr is because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the quran truly it is in the remembrance dhikr of allah that hearts find peace this is 1328 of the quran and this is always really really interesting to mention because when you think about a life that is away from allah's remembrance i don't even need to explain it we all know what type of life that is a life that is away from allah's remembrance you will constantly find yourself sad constantly find yourself trying to find the next thing that will make you feel full or finding the next thing that will make you feel like you've made it and you will kind of come to a level where you judge yourself from worldly standards and worldly expectations and believe that this is all there is however in the remembrance of allah you remember that there is so much more in this life right and one of the most beautiful keys and one of the most beautiful things about the as a whole is that you know we want to constantly remember allah we want our heart to relax and we want our heart to become attached to allah and what is better than having your heart attached to the one that controls all your affairs so with sincerity persistence and time you can eventually reach a stage where you know the sweetness of remembering him worshiping him and spending time with him is something you actually enjoy a lot of people have a hard time being alone and they feel like being alone is like the worst thing that can ever happen and i have a hard time being alone and i hate you know being in my own presence and all these thoughts pour in you know it's really hard at first but then when you force yourself to kind of go out and do things and you know not put any earbuds in just go out and think about life think about what's going on in your life you know just kind of be in dialogue with god talk to god about what's going on over time it becomes better and you don't despise being lonely doing vicar whatever it might be in that moment wherever it might be where you're feeling anxious you're feeling anxiety you might be feeling lonely whatever it is um doing the good in those moments really helps you feel closer to god you know, another really interesting saying by Ibn al-Qayyam, may Allah have mercy on him, explains that if there was no reward for the good other than the joy and pleasure it brings to one's heart, this would be enough. And I find that really, really interesting because obviously we are always taught about dhikr and remembrance of Allah in the context of there's a reward and say this and say that and do this and do that. And that's true and it's beautiful. But just the joy and the pleasure that can come out of it would be enough. And so if you're somebody who's never experienced that joy or that pleasure, it's really, really important to one, not give up so quickly, two, be persistent in doing it. And three, find that time in your day where you isolate yourself and do that dhikr and be consistent with it. That is something that I'm trying to do as well. Because a lot of times we do do dhikr and we're very, you know, passive about it. And it's good to do it regardless. But kind of having that time to really focus in and remember who you're worshipping changes everything. 
One of the beautiful mentions about the heart with Dikr is that Dikr brings life to the heart. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said how the parable of the one who remembers his Lord and the one who does not is like the parable of the living and the dead. So basically, in other words, even if you're breathing and alive, but live a life in which you don't remember Allah, you're spiritually dead. And just as rain brings life to the dead earth, Dikr brings life to the dead hearts. And this is really, really important to mention because a lot of times we see people say, you know what, well, I am alive, I'm living, but I don't actually feel like I'm alive. How many times have you heard people say that, oh, I don't really feel alive, my heart is sad, whatever the third it might be. We hear people say stuff like that all the time. And dhikr is one of those things that we see being talked about right here in this context. How the parable of the one who remembers his Lord and the one who does not is like the living and the dead. And remembering Allah goes, again, far more beyond words. And that's something that I've been emphasizing in this series. It goes far more beyond words. This is the cautious decisions that you make with God in mind. And, you know, around this time, I feel like it's really important to talk about Musa al-Islam's story. Um, and there's lots of different, you know, valuable and knowledgeable things that we can take out of his story. And there's lots of different, I guess you could say, gems that could be said. But I think that what I want to kind of focus in on is when we see Musa al-Islam help those two young ladies water their animals. And I feel like this is an interesting part of the story because... What we essentially see in Musa salam's current situation was how prior to this he had escaped Egypt and he made it to where he was in Madian. And at this point, you know, he was wanted for murder. Even though it was a mistake, he was still wanted for murder. Um, he had punched someone and they had died by accident. So he escaped the city, escaped Egypt. And at this point, he finally has made it to the desert. And at this point, you know, in the middle of the desert, it is a desert at the end of the day, but it does have some waters and some lakes and ponds. So he ends up being over there. And so while he's there, um, we see how on the top of the hill, he sees those two young girls that had their animals, but they weren't letting their animals drink the water. And while the rest of the village was feeding their animals, their sheep, their goats, everything, these women were still holding back their sheep. And as you know, sheep, if they see the water, they're just tugging away. They want to go at it. So Musa al-Islam is already running away. He's ran away from Egypt. He's in a random desert. He's exhausted, tired, without a doubt, right? Like anybody would be in a desert. And he's wanted for murder. It's straight up, you see him, kill him, the end. And when you see in those circumstances, the last thing someone would think is, I want to help somebody. You would think, I got to help myself. I got to get myself out of here. I got to get myself situated. This is also the time when we see that beautiful dua that a lot of us know about today. And I kind of, if we have time, I want to talk about that dua, which is, My Lord, I'm truly in great need of any good that you might send down to me. Because this dua has a lot of interesting things that are kind of, a lot of interesting components that a lot of people do not talk about. A lot of times we just say this dua and it's a beautiful dua, but I think that it has some interesting stuff. Maybe I'll make another podcast episode. I don't know. But as I was originally saying, right? So... Essentially, we see in the ayat of the Quran in 2823, right? He asked the women, what is that troubles you? They said, we cannot water our flocks until the shepherds take their flocks away and our father is a very old man. So in essence, right, the situation, they can't flock. They can't give, you know, their animals their drinks. Um, we have to stay away because obviously a bunch of men. And in most cases, as most scholars have discussed, probably they don't respect women, Um they probably felt very uncomfortable there. So they're just waiting for these men to finish. Um, and then their father is an old man. And one of the meanings of this is essentially, besides that he's old, he just can't do this work anymore, right? So they're the only ones in their family that can do this work. So Musa al-Islam, he doesn't continue talking to them. You know, he's not like, wow, man, that's tough. That's like, no, he just grabs their sheep. He goes to the well. He moves them aside. He does what he has to do. He feeds the animals and he brings them back. 
And we see this in the Ayah 28:24. Moses watered their flocks for them and then returned in a shaded place and said, My Lord, I'm truly in great need of any good that you might send down to me, right? He watered, fed their animals for them. Thereafter, he went to the shade. Now he goes back and he's relaxing and he says this dua. And this is a dua that we say even today. This the dua is probably going to be said till the end of times. It is an incredible dua and it is a dua that has been talked about extensively and it's beautiful and I think it should definitely be a part of your life if you've not made it already. But one of the first things I'd like to po point out in the whole little situation that I just recapped to you is that when you help people, you don't wait around for them to be like, thank you, we appreciate it. We see this in Musa Islam's story. He helped those ladies. You don't find him in the Quran saying, you know what? Okay, where's my thank you? Okay, you know what? Thanks. Like, you don't you don't see that. You don't see that. He didn't expect that. And he actually didn't even continue conversation with them. He handed them animals and he walked away. And he did this for Allah. And this is what I just said earlier. Remembering Allah and everything that you do consciously and subconsciously. When you are going through such a hard time and, you know, everything in your life is falling apart, the last thing that you can think of doing is helping somebody else. Why would I want to help this person? Why do I care if their animals are fed or not fed? Look, I have no home. I have no clothes except the clothes that I'm wearing on my back. I don't have any water. I don't have any food. I don't have a shelter. I'm literally wanted for murder. I don't care what they do. But that's not what Musa Islam did. There is no doubt. The clothes that he had on his back were the only clothes he had. He had no food. He had no water. He had no shelter. Um, and he was running. So he doesn't get killed. But he still saw it and he still helped out. He didn't bother to continue that conversation with them. He did this for Allah. And so he knows that he'll get his appreciation from Allah. He's not interested in the conversation with these women. Instead, he goes back and he says one of the most famous du'as that we know till this day. He's interested in this conversation with Allah. Because he knows that a reward of his good comes from Allah. Not to mention another interesting thing to mention with Musa Islam's story, right? Um... We see this extreme example given in the Quran, right, of murder, police chasing for murder. And we see that Musa al-Islam, even despite what he did, right, he goes and helps somebody. What can we take here? The lesson here is that if you've made a mistake, then you should be desperate, you should be rushing, you should be sincere, you should repent, and you should be searching to do some good deeds, right? You should be searching to do some good things. And we see that, you know, after he said this dua, not only did he gain everything that he gained, not only did he get married, not only did he get a job, not only did he find a home, he got a home for the next 8 to 10 years. Like out of thin air, with one dua, one sincerity, doing a good deed, he got a home for the next 8 to 10 years. When everybody's chasing him to kill him and he has no money, no home, no nothing. Not only did he get find someone to marry, but he got a home for the next 8 to 10 years. And so when you think about it, this rush to do good deeds, this rush to keep Allah in mind that, oh my God, I messed up, I'm going to repent for my sins. And then I'm, I'm going to do something good. That sincerity and that remembrance of Allah really changes your life. This light that comes to our heart, this remembrance of Allah is beyond our understanding and it is so incredibly beautiful the way that Allah handles your affairs so it's important to remember to try your best to be subconscious of Allah to allow your heart to be alive and be alive in the way of Allah not be caught up in things that don't benefit it right so let's talk a little bit about stress anxiety and mental health right dhikr is a very powerful tool that can definitely help you in those areas dhikr will give you meaning and it will repurpose your life to make it about pleasing Allah instead of experiencing this feeling this 
angst, this what am I going to do next, what's going on, I'm angry, whatever it might be, you tend to become a lot more clear about your goals in life. Much of our anxiety stems from our unhealthy attachment to this world, and the more thicker you do, the less you'll be worried about it. You'll also start to realize what really matters. You know, there is this quote that goes among the lines of how anxiety and fear are cousins, right? Fear sees a threat, but anxiety imagines one. And I think that that's very important to remember when living in this dunya because a lot of times when you're in a moment where you're panicking, you have anxiety, you need to ask yourself, do you actually see that threat? Is it actually in front of you? Is it actually there? Or are you more so over imagining it or you're thinking that it's going to happen? And when you start falling into a realm of, I think this is going to happen, I have a fear this is going to happen, I am so scared if this happens, I'm afraid so much that you are forgetting that the real fear that you should be having is the fear of Allah, you're going to start to gain this deep attachment to the dunya. What is this person doing? How is this person, you know, doing this? Is this person moving on? Oh my God, I'm so scared I'm going to lose this. I'm so scared I'm going to feel this. What if I don't get this? What if I get this job? Like there's so much jumble, jumble, jumble. A lot of background noise. It's background noise. And when you get too consumed in that background noise, it makes it hard for you to be clear about your goals. And your biggest goal being the goal of Jannah, right? So remembering that, and remembering that, just doing the remembrance of Allah and being reminded that it's God who controls everything. When we say Allah Akbar, God is the greatest, right? God is greater than your problems. Internalize that. God is greater than your entire existence and everything that you're going through. And of course, not to mention constantly praising and thanking Allah helps you become more grateful. And even during difficulties, it's the best thing you can do is to remain grateful and praise Allah and you will see his mercy slowly coming in in all the things that are around you. Dhikr can also help you be content. For example, when we say that there is no power or might except with Allah, you affirm that you are not relying on yourself but rather upon the most powerful protector. Just this one dhikr cultivates relief and contentment in your heart and teaches you to trust and rely upon Allah. Think about it in the grand scheme of things, right? When you say that there is no power or might except with Allah, that means that everything that I'm worrying about, everything, Allah is greater than it. There's no power, there's no might except with Allah. You know, and I always like to remind people that beautiful saying how even if everyone gathered to hurt you, they couldn't, they couldn't hurt you unless Allah willed it. And if everyone gathered to help you, they couldn't help you unless Allah willed it. So that's really important to remember because too many times we give power to things and we start to... I've talked about this in an episode a long time ago, I think. Um, unintentionally worship our fears. We worship things that we are scared of in a negative way because we're afraid of what will happen if this leaves our life or if we don't end up successful at this, if we don't get this. We start to worship our fears or our doubts and we start to think, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that, I shouldn't do this. Well, we start to make our fears our new guide, our new roadmap of how we should live our life. When in reality, the only fear you should be having is a fear of Allah. And that is plenty. That'll take care of everything. Fix your affairs with Allah, everything else will become okay. Not to mention, hitting on the gratitude point, that's really important. Like we said, when with contentment and hard times, you're always going to have something going on in your life. You're never not going to have anything going on in your life. You might as well learn to enjoy the fact that you are alive, that you're going through things, and it's okay. Because guess what? Like five years ago, you were in a hardship, and you are like, oh my God, it's never going to end, and then it ended. And then now you're in another one, you're like, oh my God, it's never going to end, and it's going to end. Just learn to be grateful and enjoy life. Every single blessing in your life has a time that it's going to go. Your family, your loved ones. I know this is going to get dark. Your parents, 
They're not going to be here forever. And if you're so consumed in the problems and being ungrateful, not noticing that you have so many other blessings around you that you are failing to give that love and gratitude for, you're going to regret it in the end because your life is filled with blessings. There are a lot of things around you, even if you don't see it. And those things have timelines. They have timelines. They're going to leave you soon too. And quite frankly, unfortunately, we do not recognize the value of things until it is gone. Another really, really interesting mention about power of dhikr is that how it can help increase you in this fear and awe of Allah and it helps remove those unhealthy fears just like we're talking about it gives you this courage to live your life in a way where you just please Allah where you're just worried about Allah where you live this life of piety and satisfaction and we see a beautiful analogy given when Allah instructed Musa and Harun al-Islam to go and confront the Pharaoh right he said go you and your brother with my signs and do not slacken in my remembrance 2042 of the Quran right they were told to arm themselves with a dhikr for this task ahead of them dhikr helps lighten your burden it makes it easier to go those hard tasks it makes it easier for you to go through things that are difficult it does not just give you emotional strength but also physical strength we see when fatima may Allah have mercy on her complained of fatigue from housework and requested a servant from her father the prophet peace be upon him instructed her to read a specific adhkar before going to sleep Another very, very big problem we have, like we mentioned, loneliness, loneliness. People are lonely. That's just life. If you are avoiding loneliness and thinking that, you know what, if I surround myself with enough people, I'm not going to feel lonely. If I have this person, I'm not going to be lonely. If I have this relationship, I'm not going to be lonely. Loneliness is an inevitable part of life. We are all lonely in some way. We all have things that make us feel lonely. You might have a great group of friends and still feel lonely inside. You might have a horrible group of friends and still might feel lonely inside. Loneliness is an inevitable part of life. Stop trying to run away from it. Too many people run away from loneliness instead of just facing loneliness and when you face loneliness you really realize that it ain't all that bad because when you learn to make loneliness your friend and you learn to enjoy yourself and use it as a time to take care of yourself and remember Allah do those great things you don't hate it anymore you don't feel the need to put yourself in spaces and put yourself in interactions when it doesn't benefit you right and in a very beautiful hadith, Qudsi, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I am with my servant when he remembers me. And so well, you might think you're alone. You might think that you are so alone that there's nobody with you. But when you're alone, you're remembering Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you. And with dhikr, you feel assured that Allah is always with you. No matter what you're going through. And you know that his love is with you. His care is with you. You might sometimes feel like, I wish I had a relationship in my life where I felt loved and cared for. You might come from a really broken household, whatever it might be. Like there's dhikr, there's the remembering of Allah. And I know that in the moment, it doesn't really feel those things until you try it. A lot of people don't try to sit there and, you know, be, and I quote, quote, lonely, sit in a room, shut the door, and just remember and think about Allah. And I guarantee it might not be easy at first, but you'll eventually find some type of contentment. You'll find some type of happiness. You'll find some type of ease. We again see this with Musa when all the odds were stacked against him and the children of Israel at the time. Um, in this difficult situation, we see that the children of Israel were wavering. They were getting a little bit shaky. I know it's getting a little bit hard for them, but not Musa al-Islam. He cried and he said, absolutely not. My Lord is certainly with me. He will guide me. This is 2662 of the Quran. And that's so beautiful, this unwavering strength that I am not alone. God is with me. And even when we see this, the children of Israel, right? They're wavering. No matter what, they're wavering. It's, it's being so hard for them being at the positions that they're at. But Musa al-Islam, regardless, as a leader and just as a worshiper of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remembering him was so certain. He's like, absolutely not. My Lord is certainly with me and he'll guide me. And when we keep that attitude in our day-to-day -day life that, you know, I might be lonely, but it's okay. God is with me. I might be falling apart, but it's okay. God is with me. I might be brokenhearted, but it is okay. God is with me. 
things really start to change. Finally, of course, it's really important to remember that the Kura purifies and polishes the heart. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said, For everything there is a polish, and the polish of the heart is the remembrance of Allah. Purifying your hearts is so important. Having a clean, pure heart, remembering Allah, being sincere, these are the things, inshallah, that will get you to Jannah. And I mentioned this early on the Day of Judgment, nothing will benefit you. Nothing will benefit you. It is going to be your heart that will benefit you. It's going to be the deeds that you did that benefits you. And of course, as it says in the Quran, in 2689, the day that neither wealth nor sons will be of any benefit except for he who comes to Allah with a pure heart. The discussion of a pure heart and having this constant cleaning of your heart and polishing it is incredibly important, not just here, but also for the day of judgment. Not to mention, Ibn al-Qayyam also mentions how this heart tends to rust, right? Hearts rust like copper and silver. And as it can rust, it can also be polished. Through dhikr, the heart can shine like a crystal mirror. Thus, when one neglects dhikr, the heart rusts, and one remembers Allah, it shines. These are two things that which cause a heart to rust, heedlessness and sin. Conversely, the heart can be polished by two things, dhikr and seeking forgiveness. Doing dhikr purifies us from sin, it protects us from shaitan. Sins and shaitan are the root of not just um, unhappiness and stress in this life and the next, but also this worldly anxiety. And when we remember Allah and we are content with Allah's decree and we are grateful and we have this unwavering faith that I'm not alone, I'm not going through anything alone, God is with me through whatever I go through, it really helps us gain a sense of more contentment. If you feel like you have a hard time sitting alone, just like you just can't just sit alone and it's just so hard for you, right? You've done dhikr, whatever it is. You've said, you know, different words of dhikr, different adhkar, whatever it is. And like you have such a hard time just sitting alone, right? Right. Right. Remember Allah. Right. Some people have a really hard time just putting words to how they feel, but they do better when they write. So just write and you will inshallah find yourself slowly connecting. And I don't want to compare you and your relationship with God like you and a human relationship because the parables are not even the same because obviously God is above all of that. But just for context, think about the relationship with you have with a human being. You don't just meet somebody one day and be like, oh my God, you know what? We're best friends. That's it. And it's not a work in progress. With No matter what relationship it is, it's a work in progress. There's a lot of care, a lot of time, a lot of dedication, a lot of trust, things that go into it, right? And that's the same thing with Allah. You have to give Allah that time, give Allah that care of your heart, give him that love, give him that respect, give him that unwavering faith that he deserves. And you will notice that God will be there too, but you can't just, you know, do it once and be like, okay, I didn't feel anything, I'm not going to do it again. You don't do that. You don't do that. Show up again and again and again and again. And like we said in our last episode, stop worrying about how you're showing up to God and start worrying about whether or not you're even showing up. A beautiful thing to mention here, not only about contentment, but also about the fact that this entire universe glorifies Allah. And if this isn't a reason for you to get started on this journey, then I don't know what is, right? Um, dhikr is one of the greatest acts of worship, like we mentioned, and how it can bring, you know, a dead heart back to life. It brings us peace. It brings us contentment. But dhikr is not just limited to human beings. The entire universe praises and glorifies Allah subhanahu wa Allah says in the Quran, the seven heavens, the earth, and all those in them glorify him. There is not a single thing that does not glorify his praises, but you cannot comprehend their glorification. He is indeed most forbearing or forgiving. This is 1744 of the Quran. And among some of the things that praise Allah are angels. We see in the Quran that the angels are constantly glorifying and praising Allah. Allah says to him belong all those in the heavens and the earth and those nearest to him are never too proud to worship him nor do they tire they glorify him day and night never wavering 2019 20 of the quran we also see that jinns tend to worship Allah the believing jinn also praise and remember Allah 
we see in a very, very beautiful hadith that was narrated um, how the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings be upon him, came out to the companions and he recited to Rahman to them from its beginning and its end. They remained silent. So he said, Certainly I recited it to the jinn during the night of the jinn, and they responded to it better than you. Each time I came to the words of Allah, then which of your Lord's favors will you both deny? They said, We do not deny any of your favors, our Lord, and for you alone is all praise and thanks. We also see the heavens and the earth, as Allah says that whatever is in the heavens and whatever is on the earth glorifies Allah, the King, the Most Holy, the Most Powerful, and the Old Wise. That's 61 of the Quran. We also see the mountains, as the mountains will join Dawud al-Islam in praising and glorifying Allah in the morning and the evening. This is 38, 18 of the Quran. We see the mount, um, we see the thunder. Even the thunder glorifies Allah. The thunder glorifies its praise, as do the angels in awe of him, 13, 13 of the Quran. We just go on to see so many amazing different examples from fish, ants, birds, and trees the question comes down to how could you ever know these things and know that even the littlest bits of ants to the greatest of the heaven glorifies Allah yet we don't and I find that so mind-blowing because when you think about the heavens right and you think about think about it for comparison for a second because there's so many things that worship Allah, right? Everything in this world and above. But when you think about something as small as an ant, remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then something as great as the heavens, and then there's us. And we voluntarily, we choose not to. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said in a beautiful hadith, The sun does not rise except that all of Allah's creation glorifies Allah with his praises except for the devils and the foolish humans. So in order to protect ourselves from becoming among these foolish humans, we should remember Allah and praise Him in the morning and throughout the day. If the skies, these stars, mountains, and even the tiny ants crawling on the earth can do it, then we really definitely can. We really can, right? So think about this in context and kind of keep this in your mind. Like sometimes I see little ants, right? And I'm like, oh my God, they're so little. And like, it's so mind-blowing. And then sometimes, I don't know, this might get sidetracked. I don't know, like y'all, when it's raining, sometimes you see the thunder. There's this one specific ayah of the Quran that we talked about. Um, and my mom, she loves that ayah. Every time it thunders, she goes, there it is. There it is. And she just recites the ayah. And it really puts it into perspective how insane it is. Because everything in this world really does worship and follow. And just is in this beautiful creation of Allah. And we are the ones that just don't really recognize it. Yet we have so many amazing capabilities. And we've been given the power and the choice too. Anyway, I hope y'all like this episode. I hope it shedded something good for you um, or made you think about something. Please do try your best to become consistent with a little dhikr routine. And again, this is more than just words. It's about sitting there remembering Allah, thinking about your relationship with Allah and being more mindful of Allah um, because this is truly the key to contentment and a better life. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Take care of yourself. Assalamu alaikum.